morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff. I am back here with the doctor, the good doctor, the PhD of Victory. His name is Mr. Tony D. Viss. Mr. Viss, how are you on this fine Sunday evening? I'm doing well, Marty. Uh, we had uh, an MVC CIML, kind of like the Big Ten ACC Challenge, uh, here in Cedar Rapids last night at the Powerhouse, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a lot of fun. Played there were seven games played there. Uh, some really good teams uh, from Central Iowa out here in Eastern Iowa. Just a really good day of basketball. So uh, that was a lot of fun yesterday, and then we were on the road in Dubuque on Friday night. So uh, a lot of basketball over the last forty-eight hours. How about yourself? Kind of the same. Like we were talking about pre-roll here. Uh, it's it's been really chaotic for our program. Uh, we. Uh, my boys, we were riding home in the car last night, and we added it up, and we, since December 16th, starting on December 16th, we've had eight games and six practices. Uh, so it has been uh, just a lot. It's been a lot. And uh, as I referred to uh, in a previous pod, had some, some personal issues, some, uh, you know, just uh, uh, dealing with a little bit of personal life tragedy type of a thing mm-hmm. uh that was that was thrown in there as well so you know uh it's it's been really busy but we are back and we plan on being together here every sunday night and we will keep things going here so uh tony episode number 70 the big seven oh uh we're closer to that number in age than we'd like to be uh but it beats the alternative as well yeah so um i've got two football players on here, Mr. Viss. Uh, are you, uh, do you, do you have any guesses for a couple of uniform numbers, number 70? I want to say I'm kind of picturing an offensive lineman for the Vikings, but I don't, I cannot come up with a name if, if, if I'm on the right path. So you are somewhat on the right path. Uh, one of the guys I had down played for the Vikings, but he was a defensive lineman, not an offensive lineman. Oh. Okay, uh, 70 defensive linemen played for the Vikings. Part what of the Purple People talking? Eaters. The Purple, so is it Carl Eller? It is not Carl Eller. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy, was it Alan Page that became a, a judge or something like that? It is not Alan Page, but again, <sighs> part of the Purple People Eaters. <laughs> purple People Eaters. Well, shoot. Those he are is famous. Two. He is famous for taking a touchdown. Uh, there's a turnover that he picked up. Is it and went Jim Marshall? To... Jim Marshall. There you go. Wrong uh, way, Jim. Yes, wrong way, Jim Marshall. So um, he is one. Uh, the other one, I believe, is a legendary. I think he was a linebacker. He's an American football player. Uh, yes, linebacker. Linebacker. Play for the Raiders? Nope. No. New York football giants. Ooh, 70 for the Giants? Yes. Dang. Um, We're talking before Lawrence Taylor and all those guys? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay. 50s 50s and 60s. (laughs) But he's Uh, a legendary name in the game. Okay. You're going to know the name if you don't get it. Because Frank Gifford was a running back. Yep. Um, Norm Van Brocklin, I think, was with the Rams. 
This one's a stumper for me. Sam Huff. Ah, oh, Sam. Okay, yeah. yeah. Tough Heard one. of it. Didn't know he was seventy though. Yep. Yep. Yep, 70, linebacker. He played. had a little stretch with the Redskins at the end of his career as well. So, okay. Yeah. So, Did not know that. Yeah. Well, one for two. You're batting 50%. You know, so. Gets me in the Hall of Fame of baseball. <laughs> More than the Hall of Fame. Uh, unless you're a pitcher, then you just, you know. But if you're a left-handed pitcher, you pitch for 20 years if you're 500. So There you go. Yeah, so. All right. Episode number 70. This week, we are talking about the six Ds that can destroy a team. And again, we want to give credit where credit is due. I believe it was at Greg Burge. Where we uh, is that? Where you got that again from, Tony? Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite guys on Twitter. Just a lot of good stuff. I was sitting there thinking today, um, if he ever hears this, it'd probably be a great a great uh, interview pod for you to have him on. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll reach out to him. That'd be good. Uh, thank you for the idea, Mr. Viss. I, I, That's I, what I'm here for. I'm an idea guy. Yeah. <laughs> You're all ideas. You, you think big picture. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Greg Berg, uh, Burge, I, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, at GB1121. Uh, just a lot of really, really good stuff. Tony and I have talked about him before. So uh, the three Ds, or I'm sorry, the three Ds, sorry, six Ds that Coach Berg talked about here. Uh, doubt, distrust, disbelief, delay, defensiveness, and distraction. And these are the six Ds that can destroy a team. And uh, I, I really like the topic. I've got a lot of notes written down here, Tony. Uh, I, I guess we'll, we'll start with the first one here. Let's start with doubt. And since you picked this, um, yeah, I mean, what what's your kind of definition? How can doubt help destroy a team or destroy a program? Yeah, you know what, just when we get into the month of January, you know, my, my assistant coach and I, uh, we set a goal last week over break. We visited with five players a day for five days. We wanted to get a visit in with everybody over break so that, you know, it was kind of touch base. And sometimes it's, hey, how was Christmas? You know, it was something like that, you know, just different things. And so doubt's one of those things when you take a look at it, um, you know, doubting the game plan, doubting the, their teammates, doubting the coaching staff, doubting their own abilities. I mean, there's all kinds of areas you can take this one and it's one of those things where uh belief in terms of what you do having hope are so very very important i can't think of a more important time of the year to to have that believe in yourself and belief in your teammates and your program and your culture and stuff uh than the month of january to be honest with you and so i think this one out of the six of them to be honest with you i think this one might be the most important to battle uh, not only just during the month of January, but during the season to get everybody to kind of hop on board, whatever whatever it may be. You might be a team that's an upper-level team that's trying to chase down a conference championship or a state berth, or you're trying to turn the program around and head it in the right direction. But doubt can continue to creep up and, and do some damage and, and take the wind out of your sails to try to get those goals that you have down um, that you want to accomplish during the season. You know, Tony, you bring up a, a great uh, point with January and you know it's it is in our seasoned and experienced careers we we now know that early to mid January is when stuff starts cropping up a little bit whether that's chemistry issues or playing time issues or whatever it may be because 
you're now past the point of when, when it happens in early December, even in the middle of December, a lot of times uh, human nature is, hey, I can control this. Uh, I'm okay with this. I'm going to keep working on it. Uh, but in a lot of situations, that frustration with maybe your role or uh, your playing time or whatever it may be, that really starts to creep in around this time of year. That's when it kind of boils over, especially let's say your team is underachieving a little bit, then you doubt a little bit more. Uh, your players doubt your decision-making because you know, you're, you're, you're not reaching the level that you believe that you should be at. And so who's the easiest person to blame with that? It's of course the, the coaches. And so I, 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 I love the thought that you have there of meeting with your players to help communicate with them and to to cut off any of that doubt concept uh, before it really creeps into the program. Is, is that kind of uh, the basis of it? How'd you kind of come up with that idea, Tony? Yeah, you know, I think we both have talked about the admiration that we have for John Gordon, what his books, uh, you know, the message they put out there with positivity. And one of the things in his books that really stood out to me is that when there is a lack of communication, negativity will fill that. And I kind of I kind of equate negativity and doubt in the same area code. They're not the same thing, but they're, they're definitely related. And so I just wanted to make sure that over break, we sat down and had conversations because I knew um, as we were moving along through the season that, that things were going to change and develop and evolve as the year went on. Yeah. And so uh, I just like to make sure that we do a few different things over break. One of them is to have conversations and just check in with them and see how they're doing, if they're having fun and different things like that. In fact, that was, that was at least two of my, of my visits were just simply, I started off the conversation with, are you having fun? Cause I had two young men that were worried that weren't having fun and, Pleasantly, to my surprise, both of them said they were. One of them admitted that in the first you know, part of the season, he wasn't having as much fun. Um, but over the last several weeks, he had really started to enjoy himself. And I told him I could see that in his play because his play has, was coming around. Uh, he was you know, on the, on the trend up, so to speak. Yeah. And the other thing that we like to do over break as well is we have a Christmas party. And so uh, I take him to, to Pizza Ranch. Uh, hey, 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 there buffet. we go. You can't go wrong. And, you know, and, and Arby's... Just I don't know. I don't think Arby's would, would fit the same bill for him. But anyway, um, Arby's so is more of a private date night with you and Rita. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely with your special someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and make so, sure you ring that bell on the way out. Uh, yeah, and so we uh, do a positive note thing with them, where they write their name on the top of a paper, and everybody on the team has to write something positive about them, and it has to be deeper than "I like your mismatched socks" or whatever. I mean, it's, it's got to have a little bit of, of depth behind it. And so I never really knew how much those meant. So I went to some graduation open houses back 100 years ago when I was a varsity coach and would see those displayed. And so uh, we've done that and the guys really had a good time with it. And so just making sure, you know, kind of like we've talked about putting some deposits in the positive tank. Because knowing that the month of January is coming where you start January 1, and that sucker I know has 31 days in it, but it seems like it's 71 days, yeah. knowing that we needed to put some deposits in as we get ready to go through the month that seemingly never seems like it's going to end. You know, and Tony, does it make it easier for you there in Iowa where you don't have any games? You have the moratorium and then you have a state mandated where you've got six or seven days off where you're not allowed to compete. Does that make it easier for you? 
you know, in all honesty, it, it makes it easier for that side of for, things. For that it side of things. It, that's what I mean. Yes, yeah, it, that's what I mean. It makes it easier to do those things because, you know, you get to focus on just basketball. And for, you know, I always joke with them, you know, for about a, a, a week or so, maybe 10 days, you get to feel what it's like to maybe be, you know, a, a college basketball player where you get to focus on just basketball and you don't have to worry about school. And yeah. so I just really make sure during that time, we invest a lot of positives, a lot of feel-good moments with them, and hopefully they appreciated that because, you know, like you said, there there are the, the mandated five days off, um, but at the same time, we talk, too, about the fact, you know, hey, you guys get mentioned in the announcements here at school. People know how, how well you're doing and different things like that. What they maybe don't realize is the fact that, hey, you're here for two-plus hours every day practicing while they're getting to enjoy their, their winter break and time off before they have to start back after the new year. You know, I'm, I'm really, you know, as I mentioned, Tony, we've had eight games and six practices uh, to date. Yeah. Uh, since, schedule. Yeah, since December 16th, and I'm hearing you talk about these things, and I am I am so jealous of you right now because I think that's – and now we've got a – you know, we've got a week this week where we have one game this week. And so uh, – and, and it's scheduled for Tuesday. Now, by the time folks hear this uh, on Friday, we will have played this in some way, shape, or form. But, you know, tomorrow we don't have we, – we've already called off school because of this impending snowstorm that's coming in. Stormageddon. Yeah, so uh, – but but this is something that I've thought about over the last 24 to 48 hours where we need to have those one-on-one conversations. Kind of that mid-season roll call uh, mm-hmm. is, is, is the way we kind of term it. Uh, I also think there's – you know, I, I listed some, some other doubts there, Tony. Um, and this kind of goes with the, with the players – um, you know, doubt in the system. You know, players might doubt the system that you're implementing. Maybe they might doubt the staff a little bit. But I also think for coaches, especially at this time of the year, maybe you're underachieving or you feel like you're underachieving. Maybe your one-loss record isn't where you want it to be at. Uh, or maybe, you're, maybe your one-loss record is good, but you just don't feel like you've hit your stride yet. You, you know, you, it gives you a – there's self-doubt. And sometimes your own self-doubt and self-imposed pressure can cause problems within your program. Has, have you ever seen or experienced that yourself, Tony? 100%. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you have that time. You can go in to the lab, so to speak, and, you know, is this the best system for this team? What what type of things can I do to make changes, um, you know? Uh, have I have I lost my touch, so to speak? And you begin to have some of those thoughts as you go through it, and you know, and, and sometimes it's healthy to do what I what I would call introspection, uh, but at the same time, belief and confidence in what you do—a tried and true way to do it—but being flexible to make those those you know minor adjustments if need be. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, that that self doubt we use. <laughs> we had a tough game. Last week, uh, we we lost, and boy, did I beat myself up all the way home, on the bus, in the car, um, and my oldest is helping me out, and we were kind of talking, and, and he was... You know, he was frustrated that we didn't play well and some other things that had happened. And, and he was, you know, and, and he, he he wants to do really well. And, and you know, I, I told him, I said, you know, but what you don't realize, I didn't say anything to you, but 
ever since that game got over with, I've been doing this for, I think it's 28 years. I'm doubting myself. I'm kicking myself in the butt. What could I have done differently? Man, did I really mess this up? Should I have done this substitution? Should we have called this defense earlier? Should we not have called that defense at all? Should we have ran a play for this player in this situation? You know, am I doing the right things in practice? I mean, Tony, these these are things that went through my head for literally hours. And mm-hmm. and you know, we're we're having all together, we're having a, a pretty good go of it this year. And so I, 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 I think that this is also a time of year where you sometimes as coaches, we battle our own self-doubt because we don't feel like we're hitting the stride that we want to hit with our groups as well. And, and so I think that may creep into it as well. 100%, you know, and it's a deal where, uh, you know, there's, there, I don't know what percent of coaches right now would say that, hey, we are 100% exactly where we want to be, but I, I would feel very confident it's less than 25%. Mm-hmm. And as a coach, you know, I think you're all the time kind of going through those things where you second guess yourself, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what, what people have to understand that, that you know, oh, coaching is easy. No, it's, it's not easy. It's one of those things when you go to bed at night, it's the last thing on your mind when you make up, wake up, I'm sorry, in the middle of the night. It's the first thing on your mind. And when you wake up an hour or two before your alarm goes off <laughs> and you can't go back to sleep, guess what? It's still on your mind. And yeah. you you live it and breathe it, you know, from November when your season starts to the end of the season. You maybe catch your breath a little bit and then you hop into the summer and you've got your hope and belief back ready to go again and, and ready to try it again with it a new a new puzzle so to speak as you try to put it together yeah a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. How about distrust? You know, I, I, I think doubt and distrust have a lot of things in common. Uh, I, I did put kind of the one thing under the distrust category, is is players not trusting each other, and that's sometimes you have to fight. I you know, Billy's open in the corner, but man, I've thrown it to him four times in a row, and he's hit the side of the backboard four times in a row. I'm not throwing it to Billy. Uh, you know those type of things. Uh, I don't you know, or you know, I don't trust uh, Billy on the ball over there. I'm going to jump in to help a lot sooner than I should, which left something open on the weak side and, and they hit a three on us on a skip pass because I helped way too soon because I don't trust the guy on the ball or, you know, things like that. Or you have off court issues. I don't, you know, you know, Billy, I'm sorry, Billy, I'm beating up on you here. Billy was talking to my girlfriend in algebra class and I didn't like that. And she was kind of flirting back with him. And so that carries over into your team or whatever it may be, Uh, you know, but I, you know, those are things, some of that is within your control. Some of that is not within your control. And so what, what are some ways that you can build trust with your team, Tony? 
Yeah, trust is a big one. There's things you can do, you know, off the court in terms of, you know, I, I just got done. I read Don Showalter's book over break. I know you've read it as well. And yeah. he does that trust circle. And that, that's a really good activity that you can do either before or after practice. And I hope, I think that helps to build uh, cohesion and, and teaches people to be open and honest in their communication. Um, you know, you can build trust in drills. One of the things that's super important is when somebody passes the ball and they go to make a basket cut. You know, I know in our system, we talk a lot about busting that cut and staying in between them and the ball. But you're not as willing to do that if the help defense isn't there. So they throw it over your head for an easy one. And so we rep the crap out of that stuff. Um, you know, you talk about moving the ball. The ball has energy. If you move the ball and find the open player, <laughs> excuse me, it's, it's amazing um, the number of open shots that get knocked down in those situations. Um, but, yeah, I, I think trust is one of those things that you have to build on and off the floor, whether it's a trust circle off the floor or whether it's drills, you know, that extra pass drill or uh, four-on-four shell, uh, bust the ba- bust the basket cut, make sure that we're in help size so the ball doesn't get thrown over those, our head. You know, those those are things that you can do to build in that trust amongst amongst teammates. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think trust – is one of the things that is that is so important to any team's success, and, and trust can be. Trust can it, it takes a long, long time to build up, and it takes a very short amount of time to lose, and you know it's it is maybe maybe the most important aspect of your team building process is building up that trust because there are going to come times where you have to look at your team. And say, hey, look, trust me, we're tied with four minutes to go in this timeout. We're going to come out in this defense. I know we haven't ran it all game, but you got to trust me that I think it's going to work. Uh, you know, things like that. You've got to trust me that uh, when we've made this change in the starting lineup, it's going to be the best for the team. Yeah, I feel sorry for Billy. What the heck? I'm just going to be beat up on Billy here today, Tony. So, uh, you know, those type those type of things. When you're having one-on-one conversations with kids, you know, developing that trust there. So. Um, disbelief. I think that disbelief can, and distrust, again, these, these first three for me were really kind of interrelated in a lot of different ways. Uh, disbelief, you know, fighting through, uh, let's say you hoped right now you would be nine and nine and three, but you're six and six. Are we going to get this turned around? And this is players and coaches. Mm-hmm. Are we going to get this turned around? What we dropped two or three games that we should have won, uh, fighting through different things. You know, Billy, you know, Billy, I'm going to give you some love here. Billy, our best player, uh, tore his ACL and he's out for the year. And man, we're we're just done. No, no, we're not. There's a lot of season left to be played here. Uh, fighting, you know, maybe a kid gets suspended for doing something dumb, or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, f- keeping that belief. Alive. I mean, yeah, you talked about January being a long month, but that means you have a lot of opportunities that if things are not going the way that you want it to go, you've got an opportunity to turn it around as well. And I think that's something that you need to sell to your team during this time of the season. 
100%. You know, I go back to, uh, you know, talking about disbelief. I equate that to hope as well. And you, we've all heard the phrase before, without hope, the people perish. And I think without belief, the team kind of perishes or at least takes big steps backwards. And so when you take a look at belief, it's one of those things that reminds me of the story uh, when Carlos Boozer uh, got hurt for Duke and Shushesky told them that if they believed in him, you know, and what he, the changes he was going to make and the steps that he was going to take, they would win the national championship. And they 100% bought in, and guess what? They did. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to be a good salesman in order to do something like that. Um, but I look at this, if, if you don't believe, you don't work hard, and if you don't work hard, you can't achieve the goals that you've set for yourself. You have to have that belief to keep plugging away and keep doing it. Like you said, you might be six and six. You were hoping to be nine and three, but you know, today's January 7th. You still have three plus weeks left. You can still get there and you have to keep pushing and helping them to believe that yes, you can attain what you hope to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when you use the word hope there, I, I think of, of, read from Shawshank hope is a dangerous thing and Andy Dufresne always had hope so um let's let's jump to the next one here Tony delay uh we don't want to delay getting to delay excuse me so um sorry dad puns uh but what does that mean to you Tony I've got a few things written down here but I'm kind of curious when you think of delay what does what does what does that what comes to mind for you there delay to me is procrastination you know you, it, it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. And I think it's one of those things where you want to do the right thing right away because the earlier you do the right thing, you can get on the, the right path and you can achieve what you need to. The longer you delay it, all you're doing is making that, that, that end goal take longer and you may end up running out of time. And so, you know, sometimes there's a tough conversation you have to have as a coach and you just keep putting it off. And the longer you put it off, you're just delaying the inevitable. You know, and it's one of those things where, you know, with players, you know, hey, I know I need to get in and, and get some shots up and shoot some free throws. I'm shooting 50% from the free throw line. I've missed some big ones lately, but I, I, I don't really feel like it. And then you, you know, you want them to get in and do that. And so you as the coach, you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing at the right time. Yeah, that's one of the things I, I put down there. Uh, for the delay, it's uh, sometimes you just got to make decisions and you got to roll with it, Tony. You can't delay it any further. Uh, changing, maybe you feel a need to change the starting lineup, and and it's just time. You, you just got to do it. Um, those are tough things. Those are tough conversations. None of us really like to do that. Making adjustments. Hey, we've been man to man all year long, and kids, we're just not getting stops. We gotta we gotta maybe think about doing some things differently, either in our man or maybe playing more zone. Um, you know, like you said, addressing issues when you let issues fester, and that's the word I wrote down, Tony, when you let them fester, it's, it only makes it worse and nobody enjoys having those tough conversations, but you do have to have those tough conversations. Uh, and, and I, I think that when you delay when you know it's it's time to do that, I, I had a season one year, Tony. Um, we had a good year, wasn't a great year, but we had a good year. Uh, but about eight games into the year, uh, we could tell that one kid was playing better 
than a senior. An underclassman was playing better than a senior. And really loyal program kid, awesome kid. Uh, but I probably delayed changing the starting lineup three or four games too long that season because just out of, you know, and, and, and I don't necessarily regret it. It wasn't uh, like the, the, the senior was playing poorly, but the, the underclassman was playing much better. And when we made that change, uh, we took off a little bit more that season. We started playing a little bit better. And I think that that was, uh, you know, a mistake that I made. And now, again, that's that fine line. That's the art of coaching. When you make those decisions, when is it too soon? When is it not soon enough? You know, type of a deal. Um, in, in that situation, I delayed too long. I, I know one thing I've learned as I've become more seasoned and experienced is to to not let things fester, to not delay tough conversations. Let's get it. Let's get it talked about. Let's clear it up. And that doesn't mean you have to be really, really confrontational or anything like that. But hey, Billy. Hey, man. I I just. I just need better effort from you out here in practice, man. You're, you're just not being consistent enough. I need you to, to, to get after it. I need you to be mentally and, and physically locked in every time you step out on the floor. Right now, I'm not seeing that, okay? Can you get that, can you get that done for us, buddy? You know, and, you, and you have that conversation. And it's not, you know, you, you say it just like that. Mm-hmm. But, but if you delay that, you know, every day you delay it, every day you're going to get more and more frustrated with Billy, and then it turns into a more negative conversation. And that's when that's when things go sideways, you know. So uh, anything else on delay, Tony? You know, it, it was one of those things, you know, just talking about different things that we've done. Uh, you know, after we had our Christmas party, the next day we had conversations that were needing to be had and we had them after the christmas party and it was was tough the next day my assistant coach goes do we have any visits scheduled for today i'm like no those were pretty heavy yesterday let's let's give them a day off and then we'll we'll get back to doing some visits here in a little while but we had we had talked with quite a few of them but it's it's tough and it's heavy and it's something that you know it weighs a lot on a coach you know we're talking about that earlier as far as you know you doubt yourself but this is another one too that if you delay the the tough conversations it's hard it weighs and so uh it's it's better to get them out there and i like what you said you know you just you say the message but you don't say it offensively. It's a hard enough message without putting emotion and and things behind it that don't need to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, how about defensiveness, Tony? Uh, I, I I really thought this is again kind of this time of year. Uh, defensiveness can really play into things. Uh, you know, it's not my fault, uh, mm-hmm. and it, that can come from players and and coaches as well. Um, yep. You know. Hey, I'm putting together a great practice plan. I don't know why we're we're not playing better, or you know, things like that. Uh, th- now is the time where you need to have actually more accountability than you had all season long, because now there is a body of work. There there is a a development of uh, th- th- there is enough evidence there to, that if things are not going the way that you, you intended to, if your kids aren't having fun, you know that's on you. And, and there's enough evidence now on January 7th that, hey, I got to do some things differently because if we're not having fun, this ain't worth it, you know, type of a thing. So uh, everybody will make mistakes. We can't be defensive about it. Uh, we've got to acknowledge it, own it, learn from it, and move on from it. I think that's an old Don Meyer thing. And and we can't be passing the buck um, 
Now, that there comes a time also, you know, as a coach sometimes, uh, and we went through this, uh, where you say, look, I can't draw it up any better than what I've drawn it up. We practice it. We work on it. You've got to execute it. And so you can, as a coach, you can only own it for so long. When you need to own it, you have to own it. You can't be defensive about it. But also, uh, as I say to my players quite often, you know, there's a social contract to it. My job is to get you as prepared as we can to watch the film, to put together the scouting reports, to do this, to put together great practice plans. But then you got to go out there and execute to the best of your ability. You've got to be mentally locked in. You've got to be physically ready to go, so forth and so on. And when you don't do those things, if you're a coach and you're if you're taking shortcuts, you know, then that's on you. Uh, but and and if the players are working hard and putting in the time, and the coaches are are still not. Uh, acknowledging that or whatever it may be then yeah you know then you can be defensive in that situation even as a player I really believe that and I and I think sometimes I've seen uh more than one situation where coaches I've seen some coaches who think that there's always another gear and sometimes you've reached the top gear with a group and you also have to be willing to recognize that that yeah, those kids are giving you everything that they have. You can't ask for anything more. Uh, so just keep kind of going the direction that you're going in here and and don't go there. So I, I hope that two or three minute diatribe made sense there, Tony. Uh, and and just talking about defensiveness there. What Did you agree, disagree? What do you think? Yeah, I, I like a lot of what you said. You know, as a coach, I think one of the things when we when we make a mistake, own it. Let the players see the human side of you, and I think that's important. Um, you know, and it, it's good to when you get a team that that pushes standards. You know, we don't do it that way here. I think then you've got something special. Uh, we had an incident, uh, you know, this year where we were doing a drill and a kid messed it up, and one of our captains got on him. And you know, the kid goes, "You know, I said it was my fault." And he goes, "Yeah, it's right. It's your fault. Correct it." And so I was like, huh. And so that's when I kind of knew that this group had something special with it where they held each other accountable. But defensiveness, you know, is one of those things that uh, you've got to have thick skin and you can't sit there and keep pointing fingers. And one of my things I like to say is that when we point fingers, we have several fingers pointing right back at us. We have to own our part in it as well, because Mm -hmm. you're either allowing it or you're encouraging it as a coach. And if you're not, then you need to address it and get it corrected and go a different direction. And so, yeah, I think defensiveness is one of those things that can destroy team culture very, very quickly. Tony, how how do you handle that type of situation where, you know, let's say you're talking about the standard of the game, and we talk about that a lot. We, we don't really spend a lot of time talking about winning and losing. We just talk about playing a certain way, or I hope my players take it a certain way. If I'm spending a lot of time, if they're feeling like I'm spending a lot of time talking about winning and losing, you know, then that's on me. Uh, I, I hope that I'm not doing that. But talking about that standard, when, at what point is it where you have to know Oh God! What's the way I'm, I want to say this? Uh, when when do you know when it's time to back off a little bit when it comes to that type of stuff? Yeah, in my situation. What I try to do is like early on when we're just getting to know each other. I talk about you know the standards and what we've done you know in terms of 
our, our standard of play, the way we practice and stuff like that. I, I take hold of that early on and kind of am the, the one that holds them accountable there. And then as time goes on and you start to figure out who your leaders are, I start to watch them. And when they begin to take on more ownership and they're more vocal and they're holding each other accountable, then I kind of drift into the background because one of the things you know I look at as a coach is it's my job to make myself replaceable. Mm-hmm. I want to empower my assistant coach. I want to empower my leaders. I want to empower my team that if I weren't there, they would be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you can step away, not be there, and uh, yeah, the, the show would go on without you. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, let's talk about the last one here, distractions. And again, kind of tying in with... Uh, delay and some other things here. Distractions. I'm really interested to to hear your thoughts on this one, buddy. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you riff here on this one. Distractions come all the time. Um, you know, distractions can be off the court things. They can be on the court things, and different things that go along those ways. And one of the things that you know we talk about a lot is the fact that hey, when we step in between these lines, it's not that I don't care what happened out there. But for the next, and we're down to an hour, 45-minute practice. We knock 15 minutes off in January. We'll knock another 15 off in February. But my point being, for that time that we step in between the lines, that's a precious time. And we want to make sure there are no distractions out there. But at the same time, life also happens. We had one of our players that lost his grandmother right before we went on break. And, you know, he didn't make it to our last practice, didn't make it to our last game. Before break, he didn't come to practices over break, and our hearts broke for him. And we, 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 you know, reached out to him and we care about him. And it was great to have him back the first day of school and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes life happens, and you've got to give them room to be 15, 16, 17 years old. I know you coach a few older ones than than what I do, but you know, we we really focus in on when it's practice, when it's game time, it's preparation. We want to be as focused as we can. Yeah. You know, we want to put the blinders on, so to speak, and be as focused as we can uh, for a game for you know for thirty-two minutes of game action, about an hour and a half of real-life action. Um, you know, the the preparation in terms of the shoot around after school, uh, the talk as we get ready to warm up and take the floor and stuff like that. But yeah, we we really talk about just being single-minded and being focused on the task at hand. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of distractions that that can step into things and most of it tony like you said there it's it's off the floor um parents social media could be a significant other uh for you know friends you know peer pressure uh in that regard uh could be just you know homework school uh, and 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 you you have to you have to be aware of that that you know this is uh, basketball is important to us. We're the adults. We, we kind of eat, live, you know, eat and live it and breathe it and that type of thing. Uh, but as I, I, I've learned, uh, the kids forget about what happens in the gym uh, a lot faster than we do, unless it's a negative experience, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, uh, but we, we do need to minimize that. You know, I've, I've been in situations where, where distractions have uh, gotten in the way of things. Uh, I, I really think um, when I was coaching college ball, I, I think a, a distraction off the floor involving uh, a situation cost us a national championship. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go to my grave thinking that, buddy. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, 
and, and so it can ad- affect things adversely. Um, you have to do your best. I think one of the things we really emphasize early in the season, hey, girls, no matter whether it's really good this year or really bad this year, the only thing that really matters is the people in this room. And we, we talk about that really early in the season. It, it's the people in this room that are going to determine whether we have a great experience. And, we, and again, we very rarely talk about uh, whether or not we have a great team or not or what our wins or losses are going to be. We, we never really bring that up. It's, we really try to frame it as let's have a great experience. Let's have a great experience this season. And... Uh, you know, so that's the way we try to say it, and and we try to limit those distractions in, in that manner. Is is the, the, I, I know if we had the magic formula, Tony, if we had the magic wand, we would we would wave it. But any any advice you have to coaches who are experiencing distractions right now? You know, it's one of those things just to try to keep it in perspective. You know, because again, like you said, they they forget about it a lot quicker than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes you have to pick the. the the hill to die on so to speak you know don't don't make a mountain out of a molehill um but you know in time just just put in those requests i mean hour and 45 minutes that's just not a lot of that's not a lot of time to be focused and work hard game days are a little bit longer uh but sometimes life happens and you have to be flexible and you know and, and just keep pushing your message out there and do the best you can with what you have coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Well, Tony, you know who is never distracted and who never makes a mountain out of a molehill the greatest rock and roll band of all time, Europe. On tour, summer 2024. Actually, I don't know if that's true or not, so don't quote me on it. So, uh, But uh, yes, Europe, it is time for trivia. Episode number 70. And Tony, I had this great trivia question a couple of weeks ago when, when you had the, the trivia last time. And it is still true today. So this carried through. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Are you ready, sir, for this week's trivia ready question? ready to get another one wrong. <laughs> Here is this week's trivia question if you check on espn.com's latest edition of women's bracketology the university of tennessee is not included in this week's bracketology okay when was the last time that the university of tennessee women's basketball program did not make the NCAA tournament. 
Oh, man. Would have been probably pre-pat. Let's go. Key, key word here, Tony. NCAA tournament. NCAA. So back in the day, we had the... Yeah, let's go 1973. That is incorrect. Whew, um, let's see. Um, let's go. Are we am I too early or too late? I'm going to give you a hint. Okay. The women's NCAA tournament began and I believe and I want to make sure I get this. Uh, I believe it was 1982. Before that, it was like the AIAW championships. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 1979. No, Tony, it began in 1981 or 1982. <laughs> I know it's been a few weeks since 84. we've done these trivia questions. But <laughs> this is why I don't get them right. <laughs> 84. 1984? Yeah. That is incorrect. Yeah, one more. Do I need to go later or earlier? I don't think you're going to get it. Thanks, <laughs> buddy. 1982. The answer is they've never missed the NCAA tournament. Wow. See, so it was a trick question. It was a little bit of a trick question. <laughs> it was a little bit of a trick question. I'm going to look up one next week for you. <laughs> Oh damn it! <laughs> but I, I I thought that was amazing. Uh, amazing when, when when I saw that uh, that uh, yeah they have never, never missed, missed the wow. NCAA tournament and and when I looked at it a couple of weeks ago uh, the the last time we got together um, it, they they were five and five at that time um, and they were they were out of the bracket. Uh, and then right before we got on here today, uh, I double-checked again, and I went through the bracket twice, and on January 7th, they are not in the top 68. They're, I don't think uh, they're even on, like, you know, the next four out and the next, yeah. you know, however they, they, they word that there, first four out and then the next four out. I mm-hmm. don't think they're even listed there. Now, I did see that they had one... Uh, four games in a row, so they're like nine and five, but uh, yeah, they're not even listed there. The first four out right now are are Minnesota, Penn State, Arizona, California, and then the next four are Texas Tech, St. Joe's, Drake, and Santa Clara. You know, the good news if you're a Tennessee fan with the schedule they play and the type of wins they can get, there's still time. Yeah. Right? Is it? Are they the only program that that's true of that they've never missed an NCAA tournament? I would think because UConn wasn't that good until Gino got there, and he really didn't go get it going for a while. Uh, I mean, Louisiana Tech. I'm just I'm just trying to think of like the the yeah, old yeah. the old powers. Uh, yeah. Old Dominion, of course, hasn't been in. Uh, oh, Monkey Farts. Who else would there be? Uh, Louisiana. I said Louisiana Tech. Uh, Texas hasn't made it before. Yeah, so I'm guessing Tennessee might be the only one that has been to every single tournament. Which is again, that's just an amazing. That's just yeah. an amazing run, uh, unbelievable. So, but like you said, they got time to turn it around. So, um, so yeah. So speaking of turning things around just a little bit. How about that? 
Let's jump into our TWIB segment here this week, Tony. And, uh, yeah, big news uh, coming out of the NBA in the last 24 hours. And, again, this is Sunday, uh, so we always put out the, uh, the caveat that uh, a lot can happen in the next five days or so. Uh, but uh, Draymond Green has been reinstated by the NBA. Now, I don't know if that means the Warriors are going to welcome him back immediately with open arms, uh, but uh, he has been officially reinstated. He ended up being suspended a sum total of 12 games, Tony. Enough? Too much? Just right? Which one of the, the three bears is it here? I think I lean towards enough. You know, um He's been away for a while. It wasn't it wasn't a slap on the wrist. Uh, Twelve games, a good chunk of their season. Um, obviously, it was needed. Uh, hopefully, he got the help that he needs. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he gets incorporated back because the Warriors have not been setting the world on fire without him. Um, and so, I would assume they'll incorporate him very quickly. But kind of like last year uh, when he got incorporated back, they brought him in off the bench mm-hmm. and. Uh, that didn't seem to be the worst thing in the world. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if they go that route again. I know Golden State's going through some growing pains, trying to figure out uh, the young guys and who can play and who can't. You know, I think Jonathan Kaminga has stepped up for them. Moses Moody's on the outside looking in. Um, Trace Jackson Davis is playing more than what I think was anticipated as uh, Father Time seems undefeated. Uh, with Kavon Looney, uh, but but we do see Clay starting to play a little bit better for him. So uh, maybe he's turning back the hands of time a little bit there too. Yeah, well, and I I saw Chris Paul's going to be out four to six weeks with an yeah. injury. Um, do you know what injury that was? So I just saw that he was out four to six weeks. I didn't see what the injury. He had, was. I think he had wrist surgery, if I remember correctly. Okay, so so he's out. So you know, you know, one old guy comes back and another old guy goes out for a while. You know, so. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think probably this is the right length with, you know, I, I would hope that there were conversations by both the Warriors and Adam Silver uh, or Joe Dumars or whoever handled that situation. Look, we're done. This is it. This is this is this is your last straw and you've got to figure some things out uh, because we can't let you make us look bad you are not above the game the the quality of the game you should not and we will not allow you to get away with any more of these antics and and at this point now they're turning into antics it's it's turning into rodman-esque type of stuff which for our younger listeners uh you probably don't understand as much maybe you've seen some stuff on the youtube but uh you know tony you know exactly what i'm talking about there where it's where it's more about sideshow Draymond yep. than it is about the Warriors and what they're trying to accomplish. And, and you know, he's, he's 34, 35 years old. Uh, he's been in the league a long time. He knows what he needs to do. He doesn't need to do all this other hot garbage in order to be an effective player. Uh, he was an effective player last year, uh, had a great season, was right up there for Defensive Player of the Year. He doesn't need to do all this other stuff to be a really, really effective player for the Warriors. Yeah, and you brought up the point about sideshow, and there's a part of me, and I, I don't know what percent of me wonders this, but is he trying to force his way out of Golden State? You know, I know he is good friends with LeBron. Is he trying to make his way to L.A.? Um you know, I, I don't know. And, uh, you know, 
I would think that with having the opportunity, he could have left last year. He's the one that signed the extension. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully as he gets plugged back in, no further incidences, uh, because like you said, it's, it's, it's time to get it. And I, I get like Draymond plays against much larger men than what he is. I don't think if you asked anybody when he was in the draft class, if they would have projected him to have this type of career um, and to be in the league this long and to be this effective. Uh, and he's got to play with a little bit of an edge, but he's he's not just going at like a, a, a tiptoe past the line. He's jumping across the line by a considerable margin. Uh-huh. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available for you, to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Well, Tony, you, you brought up LeBron and the Lakers uh, as maybe Draymond is, does he have some top secret uh, plan to make his way down south there in on the coast? Uh, but <laughs> does he really want to go to the Lakers right now? Of course, the Lakers won the in-season tournament a few weeks ago, but that seems like it was an eon ago. Uh, right now, they are, as we speak, I believe, 11th in the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have struggled mightily. Uh, since the in-season tournament, they had the great run there. Uh, yes, they are 11th. Uh, they are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. They've lost four games in a row. And all is not good in Lakerland. Um, and then in a different way, but similarly, you, you just kind of hear, you continue to hear stuff coming out of Milwaukee. Uh, they're, they're 25 and 11, but Tony doesn't seem like they're a happy 25 and 11. Uh, Giannis has been chippier than he has been maybe in the past. Um, you know, kind of calling out teammates, calling out coaches. Uh, up until this point, he's, he's always been kind of a, a, a pretty good soldier. He's just kind of, you know, I'm just going to worry about me. I'm going to worry about uh, doing the best I can to help the team win and and those type of things. And, and lately, he, he just seems to be more outspoken. And, and, and you know, of course, LeBron uh, has never found a microphone that he has really shied away from. Uh, so, so both of these transcendent superstars of the game are, are in – two different kind of frustrating situations. Uh, you know, what's kind of your read? And, and, and again, kind of talking about our, some stuff with our main segment of the pod. Uh, is there some disbelief going on? Is there some distrust? Is there some doubt going on with these locker rooms? And, and from the outside looking in, Tony, uh, you know, what can be done to kind of help alleviate two very, you know, it seems like there's a lot in common, uh, the, the only thing that's not in common is their records. Like I said, Milwaukee's uh, second in the East, uh, whereas the Lakers are 11th in the West. But other than that, it just seems like both teams are kind of miserable right now. Yeah, I would throw a, a seventh D in with these guys, and that would be disgruntled. Yeah. Um, you know, you go through and you take a look. Uh, there's a lot of rumors, uh, you know, and sometimes they say where there's smoke, there's fire about Darvin Ham's job situation uh, with the Lakers. And then you go to Adrian Griffin, first-time head coach, 
with with Milwaukee, and I, I don't know, maybe Giannis was a, boot, a Budenholzer guy and hasn't been as thrilled with the new guy. You know, you go through under under Coach Bud, uh, they were really good defensively. They are anything but really good defensively. Yeah. And Giannis talked about how everybody needs to step it up, and he went all the way down to the equipment manager. And so there were some some uh, funny memes on Twitter today about the equipment manager doing some different things to Giannis's uniforms and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would think they're both areas are disgruntled. Uh, Milwaukee is winning, but kind of like you talked about. You know they're they're twenty five and eleven, but maybe they feel like they should be, you know, uh, thirty and six or something like that. Yeah. The Lakers probably have reason to be with the N two and eight, having lost four in a row. I think their latest loss was to Memphis, and uh, you know Memphis. I think it was their I want to say their sixth win of the year, or maybe there was their eleventh one of the year. Anyway, uh, not not a whole lot of wins on Memphis's side of things, and they keep bringing up the uh, in season tournament. And they're like, you know, it was two games, and yeah. They're they're struggling since then, and they've haven't been healthy. But you know, you had you had uh, somebody sticking up. I think it was Bam was like, "Hey, Spo wouldn't allow injuries to be an excuse." You know, yeah. here in Miami, and just different cultures. And you know, sometimes you have to be careful. The grass is not always greener yeah. on the other side. Well, I think Giannis, the GM here, kind of goofed this up to a degree because I, I, you know, from what I had heard and read, uh, Giannis was not passionately defending Bud, uh, is is what I remember. And again, you know, if you want to aggregate me, go ahead and aggregate me. Uh, but I don't think he passionately defended Bud. I, I'm very confident that uh, when the Bucks hired Adrian Griffin, they said, Giannis, are you cool with this guy? If you're not, we can look somewhere else. I always thought Nick Nurse would have been the perfect fit in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Giannis signed off on trading Drew Holiday for Dame Lillard. And I'm looking at the stats right now. And Drew Holiday, we know how good of a defensive player he is. Uh, the, the Bucks are giving up 119.5 points per game. And this is Sunday night. So this may change slightly by the time folks hear this. Uh, the Celtics are giving up 110.1 a game. And Drew Holiday is really good at defense, Tony. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I... I you know, in some ways here, you know, these are these are the three big moves that the Bucks have made in the last six months, um, six or seven months, and you know that Giannis had to be involved in some way, shape, or form. His his permission, I would imagine, was was sought out. I'm I'm pretty confident, and and so, uh, you know, they've got obviously they're only 36 games into the season. They've got 46 more regular season games to get things figured out, uh, but. You know, we, we've kind of we, we've kind of made our bed. Now it's time to sleep in it a little bit. You know, LeBron. Uh, we know based on LeBron's history, he is not afraid to throw a, bo- a coach under the bus. Uh, mm-hmm. David Blatt. Uh, he tried to get Spolstra fired. Uh, he, uh, you know, um, Frank Vogel. Um, you know, and this these are guys that have won championships. And so I, I, I again, LeBron is unbelievable. He's awesome. Uh, and Giannis is awesome, but you know, guys, you've you've also kind of helped create some of this, and and so instead of complaining about it or doing this or doing that, you know, again, get past that disgruntled stage and just lift up your 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 fellows instead of beating them down a little bit. 
Yeah. You know, you're going to attract a lot more with honey than what you are vinegar. And, uh, you know, empowering your coaches uh, is so very, very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let them be able to to do what they need to do to get the job done. Yep. Let's wrap it up here, Tony. On the uptick, though, and teams that were built in two drastically different ways, the L.A. Clippers, which, hey, I'll eat my crow here. I didn't think the whole James Harden trade would would work out, and in the short term, it really, really has. They are tw- they are twenty two and twelve. Uh, they're eight and two in their last ten. They've won five in a row. Uh, Harden is playing really well now. Will this last for an extended period of time? Don't know. Uh, but but they are playing well, and then Oklahoma City, much more organically grown. Uh, you know through the draft. And one smart trade, getting Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, ironically enough, from the Clippers. Uh, they are rolling along here. They're 23-11, and 11, second in the West, uh, behind a, a surprising Minnesota team. And so two teams that have really taken things to the next level. Oklahoma City beat Boston the other night. Uh, the Clippers are playing well. So... Uh, you know, two different ways of going about team building, but right now, Tony, at almost a halfway mark, both of these teams got to feel pretty good about where they're at. Yeah, you know, you go through, you take a look at uh, the Clippers. They're playing really, really well. Like you said, they've won five in a row. Uh, they've got they've got a nice group there. Um, the thing that I, I will kind of base it on would be the playoffs. You know, uh, James, to me, seems like a, a regular season guy and kind of, uh, melts down a little bit in the playoffs, but the one thing I would give you why it might be a little bit different here is two guys named Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those two guys are the centerpieces of that franchise. They're both healthy. Um, if you can get a distributor like James, because we, we know he's a he's a good passer. He's led the NBA in assists before. Um, that they've got they've got a good shot, but yeah. you know I I just don't see them doing well enough to get past Denver to make it to the finals. And I'm not sure if I would have put them over either of the other two teams that you mentioned, uh, whether that be Minnesota or OKC. I could definitely see them maybe over the T-Wolves more so than, than OKC. The only thing uh, with OKC, they're still a little bit wet behind the ears, but yeah. man, they've got some they've got some very talented uh, players on that team. Yeah, and I did not know this, uh, but right now the Clippers and the Lakers are actually playing each other as we speak, Tony. So uh, I was I honestly did not know that before I, I, I threw these up there as, as topics for us this week. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really surprised how well the Clippers have fit together. Um, I, I, you know, we, we get a few Oklahoma City games here in Omaha, and I really enjoy watching them play. Uh, it's a fun, young group, deep team. Uh, a lot of different uh, pieces, uh, and, and they've got a chance to go on a really good run. Now, again, you and I are seasoned and experienced enough to remember when Durant, Westbrook, and, and Harden, they were going to be the next dynasty. Uh, they were going to win three, four, five NBA championships together, and they only ever made it to one finals. Now, it, part of that had to deal with you know San Antonio and Golden State uh, during that time period as well. Those were two really, really good teams as well. Uh, but... Uh, you know, for now, they're playing really well. They're really, really young. They're a lot of fun to watch. They play the game the right way. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens here. So, Tony, anything uh, to wrap up on with the six Ds that can destroy a team? Yeah, just make sure during this long month you are very mindful of those things. And I go back to the last one, you know, or say last one, but one of the ones that we talked about, which is delay. If you have to have those t- tough conversations, uh, make sure you're willing to do it. And the other thing uh, that goes along those same lines uh, is to make sure as well as, as you walk through that process with them, 
um, just make sure that they're, they're, you're picking them up during this month and uh, doing the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's get, definitely given me some food for thought. Uh, I, I think we're going to implement some of these things by the time folks hear this. I know uh, I'm already thinking in my head, and again, we're going to be a little bit weather dependent on what happens here, but uh, I, I, I really think that uh, it's it's really important to to have those those conversations. Uh, just that, like I said, the mid season roll call. If there was anything I would I would take from this is that mid season roll call, those mid season conversations, and what you need to do there. So, uh, great discussion, Tony. Great to be back with you, buddy. I, I'm glad we're back and doing this here. We took off about three weeks or so, but uh, excited to get back on the horn with you, bud. Yeah, it was good. It was good to visit and talk through these things, and just a very very necessary thing uh, in in the month of January. Yep. Uh, so, hey, episode number 70, uh, 60s that can destroy a, a, a team. Again, look up Greg Berg's stuff here, at GB1121. Really terrific stuff. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, he does some terrific things. And I'm going I'm to see what Tony, I'm, I'm going to take Tony up here. I'm going to see if we can get him on the on the interview series here and, and kind of pick his brain a little bit here. So uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, you know how to get a hold of Tony or I, and just let us know. So, Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.